you will experience what he experienced. And by God's grace and mercy, you can handle it as graciously as he did. When those times come, you just say, I don't have anywhere to go. You've got to show me how you did it. <laughs> I want to do you right, Jesus. I want to I want to do right by you. I want to give you the glory. And this guy has been around since he was a young man. And he's been through it with us. Listen, there were times publicly crucifixions <laughs> in this region in front of the newspaper, I'm telling you, on television. When I walked out with Lonnie and I said, I wouldn't blame any of them for running, running away, just like they did when they saw Jesus and when they saw it coming down. But he didn't run. He's a good spiritual son. I love him like my own. There's nothing he could ever do, and I mean anything, that would make me stop loving him unconditionally and giving him that love. I wanted you, I knew that this morning, mostly it's leaders in here, I wanted you to to see and hear from one of the sons that God is raising up in this hour and has put him through it. We're all on our way to true sonship. I don't throw that word or that term around lightly because it's what Les and others have said. You're going to pay a price. A big price. It's everything. It's everything. And many of you leaders know what I'm talking about. So let's open our hearts to what God has got for us here. I know it's going to be rich. And you are getting, God has laid before us a banqueting table. I just got to go by the Spirit, what he's showing me here, Sean. God one time showed me a banqueting table. It was the most beautiful table. It had the most beautiful utensils with all this food. And I saw the people coming to eat from this banqueting table. But there were, there was a, one container in the center of the table, it was just very small. It had a lid on it. In order, you had to op- pull the little lid up and look in to see what it was. And I said, Lord, nobody's, nobody, we were watching this in the spirit. I said, nobody's lifting that lid to even look in there. I said, what? What's in there? I'm the curious child that asked 50 million questions of Jesus. I think I have the record, okay? But he said, oh, that's, that's the dish that most of my children are interested in. There were actually three of these dishes on this lawn. Um, and one was crucifixion of self. Another one was true humility, Christ. We, not many people were eating from that. So 
I know this guy has been eaten from some of that stuff, okay? He's not perfect. Believe me, I'm not pumping up his flesh, so he's got to be slammed down. Um, he's been on the floor a lot before God, between the porch and the altar, crying out. And so bless him. Pull on him so we get more stuff than he's even got on these notes here, okay? That we get that download this morning. Amen? So again, we do. We bless you, and we just you know Mama covered that well. I just wanted you to hear um, your heart, and I wanted you to have an opportunity. And I also wanted him to know what it's like to preach in front of his peers. Pressure! No pressure, but he's going to do a good job. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, there it is. Good morning. I, uh, I've been listening to the Word and am amazed through this feast how God orchestrates. He wants to make Himself known. And He wants us to understand where we're going and the clarity and the understanding of a Son. So that the, really it isn't about the name. It isn't about me. It's about... The kingdom, he who lives in me. Amen? About the kingdom of my God becoming the kingdoms of this world. Amen? You know, as we think about uh, what is happening and what has been happening and seems to be increasing in speed and anointing and favor, I want to describe to you what's been going on for the last several months that's increasing in that, uh, in that power, in, in that authority. You know, the Word tells us that all of creation groans for the revealing and the awakening, for the movement, for the establishment of His kingdom. And you've been called to a time such as this in a region in North, um, in North America even, in New England, as a demonstration of all of creation is waiting for the revealing. We go outside and we see the trees turned colors. And for those of you who don't know, when you experience fall in this region, in September there are always a couple of trees on the hillside that turn color first. And I don't know why it's not the same ones every year. It seems to be different. It's not all of the trees down by the river or on the mountaintop. When you look on the side of a mountain, there will be one tree amongst all of the green that seems to be running out ahead of all of the rest and declaring to God's kingdom that now is the time for transformation to happen and an anointing of God to happen in the earth. These things are put for our witness all of creation's bearing witness of what's going on in the heavenlies and the day that we're in. And then pretty soon, you see agreement with other trees. Trees in the Word tend to be people. Amen? 
When you're, in vision, when you're interpreting dreams and visions, a lot of times trees are people. And, and not too long, and you see other trees on the mountainside begin to come and turn color. And all of a sudden, you wake up one morning, a couple of weeks later, and there are so many that have turned color. Because God wants you to understand that when He speaks a word, it may not happen in the microwave society that we're used to or wanting to happen. God is precept upon precept, little by little, until all of creation is affected. Now I want to bring to your attention, some trees don't change color. There are the faults among the truth. There are the fir trees that try and be like the other trees. But they don't change color. They lose their needles, they turn a little bit yellowish, and they drop a lot. But in the end, they're not part of the splendor that when you walk outside these doors and you look up at the hillside, they're not part of the splendor of God's creation in the sense of transformation, in the sense of change, of what He's doing in the earth. So all are called, but few are chosen. And you're among the people this morning who have been chosen by God to be transformed into, a, into something brand new and powerful and anointed. It isn't by your own works. It isn't because you've done anything right. It isn't that tree all of a sudden deciding, I'm going to change my color from green to bright red or the fire. It's God's Word that changes creation to demonstrate who He is. That creation would understand what He's doing in the earth. Amen? Amen. The time of tabernacles, the trees, bring change in color. God said, greater works than these will you do. I don't know what you think about that scripture, but when He said greater works, I used to think, okay, He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's cast out demons. He's established Himself in the hearts of the people. And He said, all of that is wonderful and all of that is good. But greater works are you going to do. And we're in the season of transformation where God is bringing that Scripture to our understanding and revealing creation and revealing the dreams and visions that people are having to come to one unified place. So what does the transformation that God is speaking about mean in the Word of God? How do we experience it? How do we even know if it's happening to us? You know, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were in Egypt. They really didn't know God. They'd heard about Him. They'd understood the stories of, that had been told from generations. But they didn't have the personal experience of knowing who He was in a one-on-one -on -one kind of relationship. And God so much wanted to make Himself known. He heard their cries. And he said, I'm, I'm going to deliver my people in a spectacular way. In an amazing way that the world will know and understand that there's a God with a chosen people. And he started the signs and the wonders and the miracles and things that no human being could ever develop or plan on or accomplish. 
And he brought the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Wings of eagles, it tells us. Victorious through all kinds of signs and wonders that the people would know and understand his love for them. That they are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You have been brought out of the place of darkness. You gave your life to Christ. You are a people whom God delights in lavishing His love on you. It wasn't that far to Mount Sinai. Several days. And the people, as extraordinary as it was to see walls of water on both sides of you, Kathy was talking about the sons are going to experience persecution. They were experiencing a threat. Something that was in their thought they were going to die. They experienced the coming through of the water. So have you experienced coming through the water. And when the people got to Mount Sinai, God said to Moses, I want to meet with this people, these people that I've delivered, whom I love, whom I cherish, and whom can, and who capture all of my thoughts and what I think about day and night, what I'm anticipating and what I'm longing for, of what I want to have on the earth as a representation of how fellowship works. I want to meet this people. And he told Moses to go consecrate the people that I can meet them. And the, we, we understand the story. I'm going to move on pretty quickly through this. But we understand the story. The mountain started to quake and smoke. We know about the pillars of fire. We know about the cloud. We know about the movements of God. We know about the places when the people were going to meet God. And in the end, the people said, we don't want to meet him. And I can't imagine how that broke his heart. How he had planned for years to bring a people and then to be on the brink of the promise and have the people turn away and refuse to meet him. And they went to Moses and said, we're not going to meet him, we're afraid. You go meet him. You tell us what he says. And that's where the church has been for generations. There have been front runners and people to get the word of God and to come back and tell the people. Tell the people what his heart is like and what he's for. But God never gave up. And so God starts another plan. And they spend the 40 days in the wilderness, uh, the 40 years in the wilderness, and they're, they're, uh, they're still under the protection of God. But they didn't get to experience the promised land. Finally, after 40 years, God says, I'm going to take you in. Right? And He says, well, let me, get to, let me get to another place. God's heart is revealed in the places of Solomon's temple. God still wants to be among His people. God still wants to carry out a plan that restores mankind to Himself. Those that have been predestined. Now even though you're predestined doesn't mean you don't have responsibility and you don't have a decision to make. You are predestined before the foundations of the world as I'll get into a little bit later. 
But that doesn't mean that you don't have to respond and do anything. The children of Israel decided not to go into the wilderness, not to go into the promised land, because they were afraid of what was there. When we look at God's heart, Solomon was the one chosen to build the temple of God. David wanted to do it. But he said, God told him, because you're a man of war, because you're a man of blood, the job falls to your son. And so Solomon, uh, we know the story in, in, uh, in Kings, Solomon started to build the temple. And when he built the temple, there was a day that came in 1 Kings chapter 8. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethium. That's the day we're in. It was a time of tabernacles. It was a time where God would come and inhabit. So all the elders in Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. Then they brought the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting. You see, this ark that's represented on this altar is the presence of God. But he, doesn't, he never intended to live in a box. He's always, he didn't intend to live within the confines of the understanding of men. He never intended to live in a place that was confining on every side. He wanted to live in a region and in an area and in the hearts of the people. He said, I'll write my laws on your hearts. So the tabernacle of meeting and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle... All the holy furnishings, all the gifts, all the things that you would need to serve Him. All of the favor, all of the special talents, all the anointings, everything that you've been created for, those were a part of the tabernacle. The priests and Levites brought them. Also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark sacrificing sheep and oxen, and could not count the number of the multitude. Everything that they had went to praising and honoring and recognizing God as the author of creation. Amen? The priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord and put it in its place into the inner sanctuary, the temple of the Most Holy under the wing of the cherubim. They brought in the ark into the most holy place, the inner place. And as we're going to find out, you are that tabernacle, that inner place of where He rests in your heart and in your body and in your life is the innermost place of where He wanted to dwell. Amen? Types and shadows of the things to come. But again, like at the foot of the mountain in Egypt, the people's hearts became complacent. They distanced themselves from God. As glorious as this temple was, as glorious as this event was, in sacrificing sheep and goats and bulls and rams without number, and their connectedness to God, and their, their experience of who He was, somehow, somehow, they began to wander in their thoughts and in their hearts. And they began to partake of idolatry and things that angered God, and God's presence pulled away from them and no longer covered them under the protection 
that prevented foreign armies from coming and taking their land. And so we know what the story is. The temple was destroyed. The people were taken off to Persia, off to Babylon, hundreds of miles away. They were to forget the ancient paths and the ancient story and the ancient places of God. And they were to live in exile in a place far, far away, under the hand of the Babylonians. I want to remind you that Babylon exists today. Babylon is still not fallen. Babylon's influence is still on the earth. And most people don't know how to recognize it. And they don't know if they're trapped in it, or they're participating in it, or they're outside of it. But those days are changing at something called the Feast of Tabernacles, where God comes and explains His story to the people that He loves all over again, that we would be reminded of the ancient past, of the story that was created and written about in the books of heaven. I want to remind you that before creation existed, God had a plan. And He thought about that plan long and hard. And He and he developed a plan and he wrote it in books of heaven in the archives of the heavenly libraries. And he wrote these things down and he said, this is the witness of what I'm going to do in the earth. Amen? That's according to the Word. But like the children coming out of Israel, the people went to Babylon and they found a very comfortable place. A place of religion a place of worshiping their God from a very far-off place. A very far-off place. A place of religion without power and authority, without the presence of God in a daily basis, leading them and cherishing them. And they went off to Babylon and they started to have families and businesses and opportunities And those things exist today. There are people in the world that are operating as part of the Babylonian system, the ways of the world, and they're prospering, and they're believing that God is with them. But God's ways are different than man's ways. Amen? After many years in Babylon, there was a remnant of people whose hearts were not given to the Babylonian way. God always has a remnant. You shouldn't ever be discouraged that there's only a few among you with whatever God asks you to do. Because God always starts with a a, a couple of people who know His heart, who know His mind, who know the ancient prophecies, who know what is written in the archives of heaven and want to bring heaven to earth when Jesus said, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. There's always people who are the forerunners on the side of the mountain that will turn the color red and, and the fiery presence of God before all others. You're the front runners. Not to be worried about the rest of God's people, they will come. But you're not to focus on that. You're to focus on what God gave you to do. Amen? Amen. They wondered to themselves while they were in Babylon, where 
are the ancient places? Where are the walls? Where is the holy city? Where are the places? And a few people went back to, to the holy city and started rebuilding the wall. Now, in this process, there was opposition, great opposition. Because when you're doing something for God, the devil wants to stop at all and, and pull out all of his resources. There's, there, he intends on there being discouragement. He intends on there being uh, threats of, on lives. You've gone through those things. You've gone through the hardships. You've gone through the places of where the enemy has tried to get you to quit and move on without ever experiencing the true anointing of God that God says is in His Word when the Holy Spirit was only given as a down payment. The fullness of God is yet to be experienced on the earth in your time through who you are. So they returned and they started building the temple and then uh, God sends His Word, His messenger among them at a time of tabernacles to reveal to you what He's doing in the earth. And that message in that day, Zerubbabel was governor of Judah. And it says in the Word that the Lord stirred up Zerubbabel and He stirred up His friends, Joshua the high priest, and he stirred up the people. And when he stirred them up, there were a few that responded. There's always a high priest overseeing the anointing of God, the favor of God, the transition that God is doing from one place to another. There's always an anointing of a high priest, as we'll get into in a little bit. Haggai came, and he, in chapter 2 he said, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is not this is nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. He told them to work. He told them to work. He told them to get busy. He said, what's in your heart that I've revealed to you by coming close to you, I want you to execute. Work. For I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains strong on you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. And then he goes on, say something very interesting. Lonnie has been trying to get us as a body of people to understand who we are for months. And he's been trying to have us understand by revelation what Psalm 139 is all about. 
Psalm 139 goes back to the time of the beginning of all things, before even creation existed. And God said in chapter 139, I knew you before you were born. Before you were put together in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said in 139, uh, Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, my, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, my days were all written. You have to understand, you, there is an archive and a book and a library in heaven representing who God wanted to create before you were created. He had thoughts about you. He had an understanding. He had your image in his mind, in his heart, in his understanding. He knew where you were going to live. He knew what your struggles would be. He knew what your strongholds around you would be. And then he put inside of you the ability to be an overcomer all the days of your life. And in that understanding, before creation existed, God said, let us go and make man in our image that this story, that these books of the archives of heaven describe and represent. Let's build that. Let's create this. Let's bring it to pass. Let's bring it to, to display our glory and our likeness in an earth in a place of who we are. And God formed you to fulfill that destiny, to, to fill, fulfill that calling. He put you together in a way according to the books of heaven that He penned and authored and wrote. And that book that's in heaven describes your anointing and your favor and the influence that you're to have on the earth. The strongholds that you're to be taking down. How you represent God. They represent your entire life. And so it may feel aimless or senseless. But God is in control, and, he's, and He is asking the angels of heaven to go into the libraries of heaven and bring those books out into the courtrooms of heaven and read them aloud. And in that process, the Word is released again. And we go through something called tabernacles where God says, it's the next phase of my plan is being released. Amen? Are you with me? Zechariah chapter 4. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's always a high priest. In Zechariah chapter 3, I want to remind you that Joshua himself, Joshua himself is a high priest. But he came before the Lord and the devil was there accusing him and telling him all kinds of stuff. And he came before the Lord and it says he, his, he had filthy garments on. Tried to do the best he could do. Tried to serve the Lord in the best possible way of, of his human strength. But it was his filthy rags before God and the devil was there accusing him. 
And in that time, in that season, there was a transformation that happened because the Word tells us that the angels were instructed to remove the filthy garments and to give Him clean garments, put a turban on His head. We know that this was the time of tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a foretaste. Just like the children of Egypt coming out on the doorstep of the Promised Land, the spies went in to explore it. They were given the Holy Spirit to reach out into the new... We're given the Holy Spirit to reach out into the innumerable resources of God, the innumerable riches, and were asked to explore the kingdom of God in heavenly places to know and understand what God wants to bring upon the earth. And that's what's going on right now. There are forerunners going before us. Some of you are those forerunners. You're having dreams and visions and understanding and God is making Himself known to resources of heaven, principles of heaven, the, the way things in heaven work, that you would draw them to this earth and release them to display His glory. Amen? These are the things to come, but who will believe Him and go and search out the depths of God? The Spirit was given as a foretaste, as a down payment. It doesn't say the Spirit was given in the fullness, and that's all there is. He was given to come and teach you and lead you into the holy things of God. And we've been encouraged in this feast to become, to bear witness of becoming the temple of God, releasing God's, God's will upon the earth. And what's going on right now is there are minds that are being changed and transformed. And the holy things of God are coming to the earth and you're starting to wear those garments. You're starting to be clothed with the righteousness of God and the power and His vision and His understanding and His authority. Amen? It's not a matter of how much God would give. It's a matter of how much can you appropriate from the very throne rooms and the archives and the resources of heaven. You see, it's just by faith. It's just by faith that He is bringing and He's elevating and is drawing you up onto the mountain. So we're rebuilding the ancient walls and the ancient foundations and the ancient story of God. And we find ourselves in the midst of persecution in the middle of it. I want to remind you that I've been hoping that the next move of God would clothe me, clothe you, clothe my brothers, clothe the sons of God, the church, the firstborn, amen, with an anointing that allowed us to supernaturally ride up upon the clouds and the heights and we would just be glorious and wonderful and there aren't any problems. It's not the way it is. If we study the Scriptures, Jesus' story is told, Oh, it's His story, history, is repeating itself over and over and over again in the seasons of time because God wants to make Himself known and that we would understand the pattern. 
We would understand the place and how to enter in. You see, when they were rebuilding the wall, the prophets came to them to encourage them as they are this week in a season called Tabernacles when God is dwelling amongst His people. And the prophet came and said to them, Keep building the wall. But some of them had to have a sword in one hand and the tool in their other hand because things got so bad they expected their adversaries were going to attack every day, every moment, and destroy them. At first their adversaries wanted to join them and they said, let us help you. But there was discernment that got brought to the people who were leading the effort. And I'm telling you, there are gifts of God and discernment and revelation that are being brought to the people that they would be using the tools of God and the understanding of God to thwart the plans of the enemy. And in those days, it says Zerubbabel discerned their hearts. And he refused to allow them to come in and participate with the children of Israel in rebuilding. You see, Babylon cannot rebuild your heart. Babylon cannot rebuild what you think you have lost in this world. Babylon cannot play a role in some bank account somewhere where you can say, the reason I'm able to do it is because of that. It is not by strength. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And Zerubbabel discerned their hearts and he said to the people, strap on a sword and keep working on the, and post guards. And we heard just a couple of nights ago, in order to birth in the next movement of God, it's going to take everyone. It's going to take the doctors and the intercessors. It's going to take the binders and the loosers and on and on. This is His story being retold in our day. What is the tool? He said, keep your tool in one hand and the sword in the other. We know the sword is the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God and releasing the Word of God to your adversary, your adversary is still around. He's still there. He's still running his mouth. He's still plotting against you. But according to the Word, you've been given authority over that. You've been given authority to release the Word of God, that sword of the Spirit, to take Him out. The tool that you're to have in your other hand is the favor that God gave you, your ministry, your anointing, the work of the ministry, the things that God has given you to build and restore the ancient walls. The ancient city. Amen? So you see, God made a way back to the personal experience in spiritual places for His Son. That's where we are today. Being equipped with spiritual things. Being equipped with discernment. Being equipped with understanding. Being equipped with revelation. Being equipped with what is written about you in the archives of heaven as a son. Anointing is coming, has been coming. It's gaining momentum. It's gaining speed and frequency. It's beginning, you're beginning to rub off on the other trees around you and have influence 
And they're all turning colors to display a splendor in the earth that, that, that bears witness to God. Amen? I'm moving on. So how do we fellowship with God today? Jesus told us in His Word, in the New Testament, says Matthew 27, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two, top to bottom, and the earthquakes and the rocks split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep and were dead were raised. Because of your prayers, because of you stepping in to who you have been described of being in the books and the archives of heaven, because you're, you're stirring yourself up, because God's Spirit is stirring up mankind in the earth. The graves are being opened. People are coming to know God in ways they haven't experienced in the past. People are coming and they're starting to say things like, I don't know, I'm a baby. I just, I just want to learn everything I can learn. I need to be in this place. Can you have service like every night? There's a hunger that, are, that is coming in God's people. And the dead were raised and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And the access where in the days of old only the priests would go in. Now, because of what Jesus did, because of what God did, because of the witness that He gave in the heavenly places, you see, He was dead and He went into the graves. He took the keys of hell and death. He was raised again and He presented Himself in the courtrooms of heaven because it was a legal matter. It was a legal precedence. He had to present Himself alive before God. And when He presented Himself alive, it says He made a spectacle of His adversaries in that process. You see, the temple, the curtain of the temple, the veil of the flesh, you didn't know God until you came and said, there's something drawing my heart here. The, stirred is, the Spirit is stirring me up. And I'm compelled to do something radical. Like give myself to God and come out of the city of Babylon. Come out of the old places where I was never supposed to be according to what is written of me in the books of heaven. And I'm going to align my life with the prophecies of the earth the prophecies of my God, until His kingdom becomes the kingdom of this world. You're, you're on this journey, and the veil has been torn because God wants to be a part of it. God wants to be a part of drawing you into that intimate and personal place. Amen? The veil, the separating of the most holy place, is now a place where you have access to. Types and shadows. No longer just visiting the temple once during the feast times. But a continual habitation of the Spirit of the living God that was poured out just as a down payment of which you are starting to seek out the ancient places and experience things that no man can describe. It's hard to put words to something you've never seen. But by the Word of God, you know it exists in heavenly places. And you're ascending like Jacob's ladder, up and down, up and down. And it seems hard and tiring. 
And the adversary is there trying to convince you to give up and trying to convince you you're not doing anything and you're not accomplishing anything. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is hovering over His people. And so I begin, as I begin to close, you see, Jesus came down after His transformation. Do you remember? Jesus was drawn up to the mountain to be transformed. Even with Jesus... I already told you about Joshua going up to a high place, filthy clothes. Even Je- Something had to happen, even with Jesus, to experience something so he could fulfill the next part of what was written about him. It's no different for you and I. Jesus was drawn up to the mountain and it says in Matthew chapter 17, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. You see, now Jesus becomes the high priest. He becomes anointed with the clothing of heaven, with the clothing of His Father. And it tells us that Moses and Elijah were there talking with him. Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, we could make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It was during a time of tabernacles. That there was a transformation again. You see, history is being retold over and over and over again. His story in the earth. You're being transformed in order to accomplish the next phase of your life, the next phase of His story. Your thinking is changing. Dreams are being given. Understanding. Revelations being given. We have the prophet speaking the Word of God out into individuals saying, this is a new day for you. That we would come to know and understand. You see, when Jesus came down from His from the transformation, people didn't recognize it. They didn't understand what happened inside Him. They didn't understand that now He was anointed by God and God Himself said, This is My Son. Hear Him. They didn't understand that He was now the high priest that was going to redeem the way for you and I. Who was going to remove the veil between us and God. Who His blood was going to atone for the sins. And now those sins aren't counted against us, but we can come before God in a holy setting and start reading the books and the archives of heaven through revelation of His Spirit. Such will be the same for you. You're being transformed in this place. You're being changed. The Word of God is entering your body with the power and the authority to transform your mind and transform your heart. To give you a heart of flesh in exchange for stone. To give you understanding and revelation in exchange for the ideas of men and the ways of Babylon. You see, what is happening in this place is something that's transforming inside of you and the way that you think and process. And you're going to go back home in a few days and there's going to seem to the people around you is just the same. He hasn't changed. 
It will happen. What is on the inside is destined to become the outside. Amen? You see, there are signs and front runners, as I've been telling you, happening in this place. There are dreams that are being given and interpreted in a proper way. Roy even had a dream a couple of months ago, and he had an Elijah experience. He met with Donald Trump, of all people. He was on the side of a road, and he had his little table there, and his, his, uh, he was ministering to the people. He was in front of a, of a shop that was closed, meaning Babylon is not going to have a part in the influence of what's to take place. And he experienced, and all of a sudden, here comes Donald Trump and his entourage, and he stops, and Roy goes out to meet him in the boldness of a son. How many of you would do that? You see, Donald Trump wasn't Donald Trump. That's just a type in a shadow. And Donald Trump said, get up onto this vehicle. And he got up onto the vehicle, and he experienced the affirmation. There are things happening in heaven right now with the affirmation of, this is my son. Listen to him. Hear him. I appreciate you. I love you. I love what you're doing. I'm going to whisper in your ear. I'm going to do it publicly in places where people can see what's going on, that my affection is on you. You see, Elijah must come. The spirit of Elijah has got to come to restore the ancient places of God. And it's happening right now in our midst. He's restoring And in that Elijah anointing, that experience that was happening for Roy, that was a transformation to encourage him personally. God is saying, I see what you're doing, and I love you. You're my son. And the dream goes on and on. There was another dream. Debbie had a dream, and part of her dream was her heart was given up into the worship of God. And he took away the filthy garments and clothed her with a beautiful wedding dress and transformed her into something new. There was death in her dream, but there was a letting go. Just as the trees are changing color today around us and bearing witness of the glory of God, there was a restoration in her life in this dream. And there was a supernatural peace and an exchange of love and an affirmation that took place. And her garments were changed out and she was risen up into a beautiful place. You see, God is giving dreams and understanding to bear witness to what he's doing in the earth. There was another dream that Elijah Lamphere had in this place just a few days ago. And he's come uh, represented in the dream by Elijah. Uh, The dream was past wounds and heartaches in places that were hopeless and, and didn't seem to have any way out. The dream bore witness of a new way where God comes and overshadows and says, I love you. Other people have had dreams of bearing witness to weddings and wedding dresses. You have to know and understand you're being transformed. And so I really am starting to close now. Not the natural mind through theology and beliefs and doctrines and trainings and certificates from universities. It's not that. It's not by memorizing man's credentials 
It's not by anything of the world of Babylon that's going to produce the eternal purposes and promises of God. You see, His Spirit in a way that no man can acquire on his own. But this will be by revelation. It will be by personal and deep experiences. Knowing that man's word will fall and fail short every time. But you're being drawn up into spiritual places to experience what's going on in heaven so that you can bring it onto this earth. It's in this change that we experience His glory just as Moses and Elijah appeared with Christ in His glory, so too will you experience Him. Moses represented the death of the law. The old way. Not to do away with it, to fulfill it. You're supposed to be experiencing the Scripture. You're supposed to, that, that, that message that is written in heaven, that the angels are bringing into the courtrooms of heaven and reading it aloud, Judge, according to your law, this is what needs to happen on the earth. This is what's decreed. This is what's been written. Father, would you release it? And the Father, the judge, says now is the time. You see, we're in that season of time where the Elijah, he says Elijah must come. Elijah must come. And we're in that period of time right now where things are being restored according to the ways of God. Rebuilding the ancient foundations and staying with the task. Not giving up. Climbing the mountain and meeting with Him to let Him change you according to what is written about you in the ancient text. Will you keep climbing the mountain? So Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for which is your reasonable act of service. And do not be conformed to this world in the ways of Babylon, but be transformed and transfigured and made into something completely new by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 8, last one. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in you. For the earnest expectation... All of creation has an earnest expectation to represent and display the glory of God. Those trees that are out there that you see in beautiful colors, they're earnestly expecting the new. They're going into a season of rest and a season of regrouping and a season where the transformation happens underground. But there is a spring that is coming where new life and a new anointing and a new favor and a new possibilities and the things that were birthed in hidden places become known. Amen? Of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's your identity. That's what is written of you in your book that came from the archives of heaven that the angels are now reading before the throne room of God and that power is being released 
into this earth that you can walk in it. Remember, that was penned before you were assembled in your mother's womb to fulfill a destiny. The only way that destiny can't be fulfilled is for you to give up and do nothing with what God releases at something called the Feast of Tabernacles when He came and reminded you again, this is my plan for your life. Start working it. Start working it. And if you do nothing, by your choice, you forfeit the sonship. And you choose the alternate way of which God says leads to destruction. But if you hear the Word of God by the Spirit of God and you understand the dreams that are being given and the prophecies and you understand the Word that is coming and the visions in the nighttime and the words, if you understand all that, then you leave encouraged and you start to say, God, I didn't think I could do this. This is beyond my ability, beyond my human understanding. But in Christ Jesus, I can do all things. And you leave the Feast of Tabernacles renewed again, believing that God is with you and He has orchestrated the steps of a righteous man. And your destiny lays before you to bring the kingdoms of our God to the kingdoms of this world. Amen? I'm really done. Amen. Yes, ma'am. I was in heaven while you're preaching and God and Jesus was looking down at you preaching and they liked what you were saying. Yeah, they were discussing it. Isn't that cool? It was cool watching it too. <laughs> I started I started to reach over and say, Hey, I'm in heaven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Any more? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this precious word. You've been touched. What identity do you want? You want apostle? You want some special ID on your card that's neon and lights? And Are you happy with a three-letter word? Son. Son. That's the Son of God. Son. I don't know. That's what I want. If you're a son, you're his friend. You go before he comes back. What do you want on your tombstone? Apostle Bishop to the Hootsapots? What do you want? Just a son. A friend of God. Somebody he could talk and walk with. There's a big identity crisis. God lets me speak on it before it's all done. And I will at some point. But that identity crisis started the day he was born. Even before I He understands how hard it is for us to struggle with our true identity. 
he got it, and you're going to get it. And you got to hear the story today. It's been repeated over and over and over. And we're going to walk together. I love that up in this region, the hills and everything testifies of the season every day. And we get to get up and we get to see God's handiwork and masterpiece of painting the trees. How do they change in one day? I mean, it's just overnight. And then you're like, whoa, that wasn't there yesterday. It can happen that fast for you. Overnight. Overnight. Moment. So we bless you. We feel this word to your heart. Thank you so much, Sean. We just cover you right now. <laughs> no retaliation. Amen. No retaliation. So we cover you and what God's given you to be a steward of. Amen. And we go home with this treasure. It's part of the hidden treasure. Father, may, may they each, as they've taken this treasure, would you reflect your glory in it as they begin to ponder what they've received today. So we bless you now in Jesus' name. We're going to all